week four of the college football season is upon us. With that in mind, would you agree it's time to get down to business and start separating the pretenders from the contenders? Gary Seegers and the boys will help clear up the clutter as they look at the games on the week four slate. Hang tight guys, our college football show is about to start. Welcome into the BetUS College Football Show, and what a glorious day it is to be talking about college football week four, part two. That's right. This is the late afternoon slate, the evening time, you know, after the 2.30 games and whatnot. Every week it'll be a little bit different, but of course, part two right here. Let's go ahead and talk about our experts that are here with us today. Of course, on the right, we have Kyle Hunter. You can follow him on Twitter at Kyle Hunter Picks. He is our uh, professional award-winning handicapper. And on the left, we have Parker Fleming. You can follow him on Twitter, at Stats of War. He is our numerical guru, as I like to call him. Uh, you can find his stuff over at cfb-graphs.com. And I am your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter, at GaryWCE. Gentlemen, I woke up this morning. It was 55 degrees outside. It was fantastic. That crisp was in the air. It's football season. Kyle, and you feel like uh, we're finally getting our roll on? Oh, yeah, definitely. Football weather here was uh, 47, 48 degrees this morning. It was great. Love those cool mornings. This is definitely football weather. You got that right. Parker, how about your part of the world? Everything feeling good? Oh, absolutely. I, I feel spoiled talking about football weather. It was uh, 80 degrees yesterday, and I was complaining about how hot it was. But I'm ready. I'm ready for some sweaters. I'm ready for some football. Uh, and and I'm I'm ex uh, super excited about the games we get to talk about today. I mean, there, again, just uh, a whole lot of really good football this week. It is a loaded weekend for sure. Not a ton of big banger games, of course, but a lot of really interesting matchups. And we are going to dive into the ones in which we find the most value. And of course, we will have a Q&A at the end of the show. So if you would like to be a part of that, jump into the chat as well. Let's uh, let's go ahead and remind you the promo code. NCAAF 2021 is the code. You can get 125% deposit bonus if you sign up at BetUS, where the game begins. There is a link in the description, and that deposit bonus is good up to $2,500. I mean, just ridiculous. It is sportsbook exclusive. I can't stress how important it is that you take advantage of this deal. Go ahead and sign up at BetUS.com, where the game begins. Again, link down in the description. And since you're already down in the description, messing around with all that stuff anyway, trying to click over and, and sign up because you want to get ahead of that as quickly as possible, why don't you go ahead and like the video for us and make sure that you are subscribed to the channel and you hit that notification bell so that you know when we are going live every single week. And I'll go ahead and tell you, we do a show on Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern time. We do a show on Thursdays at 12 p.m. Eastern time. And we're doing it every single week, talking about the, the biggest games of the weekend and the ones in which we find the most value. So uh, with that said, gentlemen, let's let's do a quick recap of last week's, well, not last week's, let's just do a total record overall so that everybody knows where we stand. We like to be as transparent as possible. I am sitting currently at 12 wins, nine losses, and two pushes. Kyle, our leader in the clubhouse, 11 wins and six losses. And Parker, uh, tailing us off 14, 16, and two, but that's okay because he is going undefeated this week. I can feel it. I feel a big week for Parker coming. So overall, 37 wins, 31 losses, and four pushes on the season. We are above water, and that is always a good thing. Gentlemen, let's uh, let's not cut any slack. Let's go ahead and jump into this thing. The first game on the board for us, we have Kansas traveling to Durham, North Carolina to face off against the Duke Blue Devils. Duke currently a 16-point favorite, juiced at minus 115. The total. Sits at 57, Kansas 1-7-2 against the spread of their last 10 as a dog. Duke is 3-3 three three against the spread as a favorite over the last two seasons. Uh, the question here is, can Jason Bean, the quarterback at Kansas, make this a competitive football game? He has been really exciting to watch, but Duke has been surprising so far this season. Number two in FBS with 576.5 yards per game, that is Absolutely absurd, considering what we saw from that team last season. Uh, they are nearly 53% on third downs this year. That's number 16 in FBS. Uh, 
the question I've got, you know, Parker, I'll go ahead and get you in here on this one. Can penalty yards matter in this game? Duke is number 107, averaging 69.5 yards per game on penalties. Um, but I, I think that you like the the other direction. Lance Leipold against uh, David Cutcliffe. Tell me your thoughts here. This is a great coaching matchup, Gary, um, even if it's not necessarily a great football matchup. Um, yeah, this one this one feels a little bit of crazy, but I, I like this one. This number's pretty big, and I know it's Kansas on the road, but if you look at what Duke's done this year, you know, uh, 58th in EPA margin, 53rd on offense, 74th on defense, and their schedule has not been... Um, not not been great. I mean, they lost to Charlotte to start the season, and then uh, I'm pretty down on Northwestern this year. And so they they almost lost that game last year or last week to to Northwestern after jumping out to a big lead. So I think that Duke is, um, you know, kind of struggling. And I do think that things like coaching and penalties will matter a lot more, kind of at the tail end uh, here, where where there's two teams that aren't necessarily thriving. Um, Kansas kept it a little bit respectable against Coastal Carolina two weeks ago. Last week against Baylor, they faced a, just a really, really good defense. Um, and so uh, obviously Kansas has some issues. 81st uh, on offense and EPA per play, 127th in defense. Those numbers, though, um, are inflated by playing two two pretty good offenses. I think that their schedule is is actually been a lot harder than Duke's. 16 points feels like a whole lot. Jason Bean in the running game has kind of yet to get going. Um, in the passing game, I think he's shown flashes of being able to kind of move the ball. They did just lose a transfer running back. I'm not sure how much that exact personnel will um, will will change with Felton Gardner out. They are. Um, you know, 33rd in EPA per rush, 0.15. A lot of that comes from from Bean's legs and him having kind of this this rushing threat at quarterback. So I think there's some sneaky athleticism uh, with Kansas on offense. I by no means think uh, expect them to to win or, or even realistically be competitive. But 16 points is so many um, with a team like Duke, who has shown that they uh, are not very high quality and that they've kind of they're able to to get caught on their heels like they did at the tail end of the Northwestern game. So I I, I like Kansas to cover here um, in in what should certainly be a moral victory. I can understand your thoughts right there. So let's jump into the official pick on this. Parker is the only one that's going to ride it, and he's taking the Jayhawks plus 16 on the road at Duke. I can understand 16 points seems like quite a bit. That is going to move us into our second game of the day, and this is one that Kyle really likes. Arkansas State traveling to Tulsa, and Tulsa currently a 13-and-a-half-point favorite, and it is juiced as well at minus 115. The total sits at 63. Uh, Arkansas State 5-3 and three against the spread, their last eight as an underdog. Tulsa 2-8 and eight against the spread, their last 10 as a home favorite. Uh, Tulsa's defense has not been good at stopping the run, but it turns out Arkansas State can't really run the ball. Uh, they are number 115 in yards per rush, and Tulsa is number 110 in opponents' yards per rush. Uh, on the other side, Tulsa pretty good in passing defense, and Arkansas State can pass. So I'm I'm curious which direction you're going to go with this, Kyle. Uh, go ahead and, and jump in here. Tell me what's going on with the Hurricanes and uh, in Arkansas State with the Red Bulls. Yeah, I'm going to take the over in this game, Arkansas State-Tulsa over the total. Arkansas State is 12th in the nation in tempo, so we know they're going to play fast. Jones has them playing very quickly like they have in the past. They've thrown the ball on 62% of their plays so far this year. Um, obviously, some of that is they've been down in these games, but I do think they want to be pass-heavy this season. Tulsa only 89th in PFF coverage grade. I do think Arkansas State can find some open receivers in a game like this. And the Arkansas State defense is just atrocious. How bad are they? Uh, they're dead last in yards per play allowed so far this year, 7.52 yards per play. Washington put up 598 yards on them last week. And look, let's be honest, Washington has a good defense, but they shouldn't be putting up 600 yards on you. Memphis put up 9.9 .9 yards per play, 680 yards of offense. I think Memphis's offense is pretty good, but you know they shouldn't be putting up almost 700 yards on you. Tulsa plays at the 43rd fastest tempo in the country. And Tulsa had 501 yards on Ohio State last week. We know that Buckeyes defense isn't good, but uh, it isn't Arkansas State bad either. So I would think Tulsa would be able to move the ball fairly easily here too. And here's one I wanted to say is uh, 88 degrees, the high temperature in this game. I actually looked this up, ran some queries. Uh, not much in the way of wind. When it looks to weather and those hot weather games, 
The over has done much better. Dating back to 2005, non-conference games where the average temperature is 84 degrees or warmer, the over is 56.3%. You're dating back to 2005, it's a big sample size. If you narrow this down to a total of 65 points or lower, the over is 59%. So that's one to watch in the future is these hot weather games. I think it does make sense. You know, the defense gets tired, probably tougher to tackle. We see more missed tackles. But in this one, I think the tempo will be quick. Arkansas State can throw the ball. Tulsa can likely run and throw the ball here. I'll take over 63 for Arkansas State and Tulsa. I like it. That's going to move us to the official pick. And Kyle is the one that's going to ride it on this one. He is going over the 63 with Tulsa and the Red Wolves. I, I like your uh, I like your your research there. That's a, quite a quite a few queries there if you're going all the way back to 2005. So I can get down with it. We do have a question in the chat. James Lill jumps in. He, he asks uh, for help with UCLA-Stanford, and that's perfect because we're jumping into that game right now, and I think we all have at least something on this game. So let's dive in. UCLA headed to Palo Alto. UCLA currently a four-and-a-half-point favorite. The total, 58-and-a-half. It seems a little low. Uh, UCLA 0-6 against the spread their last six as a road favorite. Stanford is 8-2 and two against the number their last 10 as a home dog. Uh, UCLA, their their last game, of course, was a classic with Fresno State, and their win expectancy, even in a loss, was 81% after the game. With If you take all the stats, obviously we like to talk about advanced stats here, you take all the stats from that game, they would win that game 81 out of 100 times. Uh, UCLA, number 88 in EPA per pass defense. Tanner McKee from Stanford has been surprising thus far. He is... Really, really doing well. Number 24 in QBR nationally, five touchdowns, zero interceptions, uh, 71% completion percentage. I mean, just unbelievable. Uh, I'm uh, I'm curious your thoughts. Let's go ahead and, and get Parker in here. Tell me about the Cardinal and, and what they have done since that first game beat down against Kansas State. This is um, re really interesting to see a team rebound. I think that um, uh, as we've seen, kind of knowing what we know about Kansas State and about, and about Stanford, Kansas State's defense is probably the best that they have um, faced and maybe one of the best they'll face this season. I do believe this game versus UCLA is going to be surprisingly offensively minded. Um, I have Stanford at 44th overall in uh, offensive EPA, and I have UCLA at 11th overall. Gary, you pointed out that close win expectancy last week. I actually had that uh, UCLA by a point if I, you know, look at my expected stats and everything. And so a coin flip, a bad break, they they really couldn't get things going that they were trying in the first half and, and just really couldn't get, uh, didn't have enough time to kind of overcome that later on. Um, this game is, is really, really focused on the offense. And again, I like to look at these complementary strengths. So uh, Stanford's rush defense has been really poor. Kansas State did a lot uh, to, to make that um, true, but 0 0.231 EPA per rush allowed is 110th in the nation. And UCLA runs the ball really, really well. Um, 0 0.097 EPA per rush is 43rd overall. They are um, 102nd in, in kind of my pace stat, that early downs rush rate. They're rushing on 65.8% of early downs. Chip Kelly wants to have three tight ends. He wants to move all of the guards and the tackles uh, all over the field, and he wants to run the ball. And so that'll be a big matchup there is kind of Stanford's rushing defense, which has been pretty poor um, in an explosiveness uh uh, sense and then in current in terms of efficiency only a little better 70th at a 42.4 rushing success rate allowed whereas uh you know ucla kind of has popped off a couple of those big runs the thing about tanner mckee that makes me nervous in this in this game is that he only has completed three passes of 20 or more yards downfield um so they're 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 moving the ball but 16 uh 16 of his completions have kind of come in that box right in between the numbers, in between zero and 10. And so it's good, of course, to make your offense work for a quarterback who might not be as talented. But if we're looking at upside against a team like UCLA that does have this explosive quality, um, it'll be interesting to see if Stanford can generate any kind of big plays through the air. The UCLA rush game uh, and the Stanford kind of big play passing game are the two things that I have circled for this uh, that make this a really interesting matchup. I I'm with you. I'm with you. Stanford did win this game last year, by the way, 48 to 47. Uh, it was a game that UCLA, in all honesty, had no business losing. Stanford was surprising last year, finishing four and two on the year. I, Kyle, jump in here with me. I, I feel like last year, I mean, we nearly hit 100 points and now our total sits at 58 and a half. 
Uh, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, we'll say Mark Holmes in the chat uh, with a good point there about the the top three running backs for Stanford out with COVID in this game. Yep. I don't know that that's terrible for the over in a game like this, though, because as you pointed out, UCLA's pass defense has been their problem. Stanford will likely throw the ball quite a bit in a game like this. I think that's fine. I think that's good. Um, certainly, we don't want anybody to be out with COVID, but you understand what I'm saying as far as the, uh, the matchup goes. Uh, it doesn't hurt the over bet. Uh, clearly better with Tanner McKee at quarterback is Stanford. Five touchdown, no picks, uh, 88.1 QBR. UCLA has been good against the run so far this year, but this isn't the Stanford team from six or eight years ago that wants to run the football all the time and play good defense. This is a team that throws the ball a lot. 51% of their plays have been passes. UCLA ranks 81st in PFF coverage grade. Uh, that game last weekend, Jake Hayner with a tremendous performance at the end of that game. I know that uh, McKee isn't Hayner, and uh, Jalen Cropper is not walking through the door either, but Stanford is very capable through the air. Um, to me, UCLA on offense, their rushing attack has really impressed me a lot this year. Chip Kelly, I know, really wants to have a good running attack and play quick. PFF grades them as the 11th best rushing attack so far this year. Stanford's defense, defense is allowing 5.85 yards per carry on the ground. That's 125th out of 130 teams. This is not a good thing when you're about to face uh, Chip Kelly's attack. UCLA is running the ball on 66% of their plays so far this year. I would expect some big runs here out of UCLA. I think both teams kind of have an edge in what they want to do. Stanford wants to throw. UCLA wants to run. The only uh, caveat I have about this game, which is why it's not a big play for me, Stanford is 129th in tempo. So they're playing very slowly. We're going to need some big plays in this one. But that's why we get a total of 58 and a half instead of 65 or something like that. So I do like the over in this one. I think UCLA uh, will keep the tempo going. Stanford's liable to be down here, not able to stall as much as they want to. So I'll take over 58 and a half in this game. Well, that, that will move us to the official play. So let's go ahead and make it official. Kyle is the one that is riding on this one. I'm staying away. This uh, This seems like it could be a lot of fun. Could be last team that has the ball wins the game and Kyle is going to take the over 58 and a half. I agree. I do think there's going to be a lot of points. Uh, it could get a little tricky though. So uh, with that said, we're going to jump into our next game and this is a big primetime game. Tennessee heads to the swamp to face off against the Florida Gators, 7 PM Eastern time, Florida, a 19 point favorite currently. And the total sits at 63 and a half. Last week, of course, Florida takes Alabama to the wire. A failed two-point conversion keeps them from tying the game late. But uh, they did, of course, cover the double-digit spread. This uh, this is going to be interesting, I think. Tennessee won at three against the spread their last four as a double-digit road dog. And Florida, 0-5-1 against the spread their last six as a double-digit favorite. Uh, Florida is number one in the country in yards per rushing offense. That's 7.6 per carry. Tennessee, however, surprisingly... Number eight in yards per rush defense. They're only giving up 1.9 a carry. Uh, these teams might be a little more evenly matched than than we thought. And honestly, the Tennessee offense has been better with Hendon Hooker at quarterback as opposed to Joe Milton. Uh, the passing game has just looked a lot more crisp. And I, I got to tell you, I feel like 20 points in an SEC game, typically with a rivalry game like this, seems like it might be a little too much. Now, I don't have a play on it, but... Uh, Parker, let me get you in here. Give your thoughts on the Gators and the Volunteers. 19 is a whole lot of points, Gary, and you're right. This is interesting. Again, with aggregate numbers, Tennessee made a quarterback change and recently has been uh, substantially better. I still do think there's a pretty big gap here. Last week, um, you know, Florida was largely able to move the ball later in the game against Alabama through uh, rushing 0.269 EPA per rush. And a lot of that came um, came from the quarterback position. And so that was a kind of a, a really good weapon there. My sense is that 19 points uh I, I'm staying away from 19 points, not because I believe that Florida couldn't drop 60 on Tennessee if they wanted to, but because I do believe that one, Dan Mullen is gearing up for a rematch with Alabama. Two, there is a body blow kind of effect playing Alabama the week before. Um, and so I think that he, he'll he take his foot off the gas pretty quickly. I think that Dan Mullen, having been on both sides of the SEC, is a little less susceptible to perhaps um, normative commitments about how many points you should win in rivalry games and would like to comfortably get a win and go home. Um, stats that stick out to me, Tennessee is 
51st on third and fourth down success against a, a pretty weak schedule on offense. Florida, 37th uh, uh, in, in third and fourth down success against a, a pretty strong schedule. And then if you look at that EPA per rush, Tennessee's rushing defense, negative 0 0.276 uh, per rush allowed, which is sixth in the country. Florida's rushing attack, 13th in the country, 0 0.260 EPA. So even though I think Tennessee has nothing in the pass game, I do believe that they will try and run. Um, they are rushing 57% of early downs, whereas Florida is rushing 60% of early downs. So expect a quick game, maybe look to lean for, for an under. Um, and I expect this to be a rush heavy game where Florida takes its points and 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 gets gets out of there pretty quickly and now kyle it, exactly what he just talked about tempo wise what what should we expect here i feel like with with a run heavy offense like florida we know that josh heupel likes to play fast what what are your thoughts here yeah uh, tennessee's first in tempo in the country so far this year 19.4 seconds between snaps on average you know, um, exactly what Parker said was one of the points I was going to bring up here, too, is um, Alabama playing right after them. You, you're kind of beaten up. Uh, I wouldn't want to bet a team that just played Alabama unless I really had a big edge. I do think that Florida is a much better team than Tennessee. But as you guys both said, I don't know how badly they want to run up the score in a game like this. And 19 points is a big spread. Uh, Florida dominating the line of scrimmage against Alabama really surprised me a lot. 91 yards rushing for Alabama. 244 yards rushing for Florida. Very surprising, certainly. And my PRs actually suggest I should take Florida in this game. But based on what we've been talking about there, uh, like Gary said, 0-5-1 against the spread is a double-digit favorite. You come off an Alabama game, you play a pretty big game next week at Kentucky. I don't think this is the type of game where you, you want to uh, try to run up the score and put everything into it. Now, I am cautious about whether Tennessee's defense is actually any good or if it's just who they've played against. Uh, you know, Bowling Green and then an FCS opponent, uh, Pittsburgh, the only other team they've played. I think we'll find out if Tennessee's defense is actually any good. Maybe they're not even as good against the run as what they look like. So uh, it'll be interesting to see here. I assume both quarterbacks will play a little, a little bit in this game for Florida. It would be nice to see both of them play. Um, I would lean to the over if I had to make a bet on the total here, but this total has been bet up already. Uh, so it's near my number. This is a game where I have to pass just in general. I don't I don't have anything I want to play. That's it. If I had to make a lean here, I would I would probably take Tennessee. Although that line Mark jumped into the chat here uh, said the Florida line has dropped two points since the opener. Uh, yeah, it did open at 21. It's down to 19 now. Uh, so let's let's move to the official picks. And and we don't have one. We, <laughs> we, we are all a pass on this game, but it was a big enough game that we did want to at least discuss it. So with that said, uh, want to head uh, go. Excuse me. Want to go ahead and remind everybody to like the video and subscribe to the channel. Hit that notification bell and jump in the chat for us for sure. Uh, the next game on the board here: Kentucky at South Carolina, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Kentucky, a five-point favorite <clears throat> on the road. Total sits at 48 and a half. Not a lot of points expected here. I'm. I like this game a lot, actually. <laughs> Kentucky. Two and three against the spread as a road favorite under Stoops. South Carolina, two, six, and one against the spread as a home dog in their last nine. Kentucky, however, in this specific matchup, has covered seven of the last eight against South Carolina. Kentucky has every statistical advantage you can think of in this spot against South Carolina. South Carolina only averaging 16 and a half points per game. Kentucky uh, is averaging 40. You know, we both of these teams have played an FCS team. You, you wash those out. We'll see what happens. I think a lot of people are big on the fact that Kentucky had issues last week with UT Chattanooga. I think that's the biggest issue with why this line is so low. Uh, my line on this was actually Kentucky minus 10. Uh, Kyle, give me your thoughts on, on the Wildcats and the Gamecocks here. What, what can we learn from the numbers that we've already got? Yeah, my line was Kentucky minus eight and a half. So we're pretty close there, Gary. Um, I agree with you in my notes here. I said, I believe this line is what it is because of that 33 point favorite role against Chattanooga. And then you win by five. So people want to downgrade them there pretty quick. I think it's easy for us to say Kentucky has played fairly well over the course of the season, but last week was a very uh, disappointing showing by them. Kentucky's minus six in turnover margin so far this year. That has a lot to do with their struggles. Um, I would think that regressed to the mean a bit. 
South Carolina is severely lacking high-end talent on skilled positions at offense. I just don't see the South Carolina team being able to score many points against anybody in the SEC. So when you handicap a South Carolina game, you kind of have to decide, do you think the other team can score? I do think Kentucky can score some uh, some points here. Levis, they've been able to get some big gainers on offense. To me, I think this is a Kentucky team that kind of got their wake-up call last week, and now you get a depressed line. So I strongly lean in the same direction as you guys on this one. I think Kentucky uh, minus the points is a good look here. South Carolina, too, perception might be a little bit too high on them. They were kind of fortunate in some of the games they've had so far. Uh, even in that East Carolina game, they were down most of the game. Uh, this is a South Carolina team that is uh, not very talented. Their defense will try to keep them in games, but I don't think they can trade scores with teams. And I do think Kentucky's new offensive coordinator and Levis is able to score enough points. It's unlikely South Carolina can keep up. Now, Parker, we'll jump over to you. i got to give you two interesting stats, though. Hopefully I don't step on your toes with these. Uh, Big Trouble Jack jumped in the chat. He said, isn't South Carolina's quarterback coming back? Yes, Luke Doty will be back. But did you know that in every game that Luke Doty has played meaningful snaps, he has thrown an interception? I don't know if you, I don't know if anybody else knew that, but I'm paying attention. So we talked about the turnover problems for Kentucky. They might be able to get that right with this one. Also, another interesting stat, Kentucky, number five in net available yards, South Carolina, number 101. Parker, give me your thoughts here. <laughs> Yes, the the one thing I was going to pick up last week is uh, kind of early on Kentucky in the first half they they fumbled in uh, plus territory and uh, or excuse me that was that was in the second half I believe um, and 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 that I think kind of derailed like the part of the game where Kentucky was probably going to take over and so you know just sequential things matter and also you're looking ahead to an SEC opponent that you should win against the next week like I, I I'm willing to write off FCS games largely because I don't think they really tell us very much so. I'm not as worried about them. I, I really love Kentucky's rushing attack. Chris Rodriguez Jr., one of the most underappreciated backs in the nation. Um, they're 11th or 21st on offense, and they are uh, 31st in EPA per rush, 20th in EPA per pass. Again, Levis over the top has been looking really, really nice this season. Um, they have suffered from some field position issues, and that was the you know the UT chat game. They kind of got some rough breaks with special teams. And um, they're, they're rushing the ball quite a bit. I, I, I think that I lean towards Kentucky being better at almost every position unit, but specifically at the the offensive line to the defensive line. And Chris Rodriguez's yards after contact have actually been down a little bit this year to his career numbers. He's had over four on his career. He's at 3.9 right now. I think that Kentucky would be able to get a pretty good push against a, a defense that has allowed the uh, zero negative 0.021 EPA per rush, which is 60th in the nation. You look at their schedule and that's East Carolina and then Georgia. Um, so half of that data is almost, is almost uh, inflating upwards that that ranking um and so i think that overall kentucky is going to be, look a little bit more like kentucky of old this week as they establish hey we're going to run the ball we're going to take care of the basics kind of shake off a bad week last week and then let's see what levis can do um so i like kentucky here i'm, I'm right in line with y'all i love that i including home field advantage I've got uh, South Carolina and Kentucky just shy of, of, of 10 points in favor of Kentucky. So I expect this to be a slow game um, as, as South Carolina is running north of 60% on early downs as well. And with a new quarterback, I'm sure they'll be a little wary of trying to pass too much. So I expect a slow game. I expect Kentucky to look dominant in the run game and perhaps Will Levis to uh, continue his kind of uh, surprising and unexpected passing success this year. I agree with everything that you just said. Let's move to the official plays here. And Parker and I both agree. Now, we only went one and three on these last week. Hopefully, we're going to do better this week. But we both like Kentucky minus five. The only thing that scares me a little bit is the fact that Kentucky has Florida next week. But I think you got to get the house in order. Like you said, Parker, you've got to get the running game established and whatnot. I think they'll be able to do that. They'll be able to win this, I think, by double digits. But even on the road, night game, uh, a win by a touchdown here gets you the cover. I feel good about it. Moving on to the next game, and this is a major primetime game. West Virginia heads to Oklahoma, and I don't know how primetime it really is, but it is the big ABC night game, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Oklahoma, a 17-point favorite here. The total sits at 55.5. Oklahoma, by the way, juiced at minus 115. This is a little surprising. Uh, West Virginia, 0-5-1 against the spread their last six against Oklahoma. 
They are three and five against the number their last eight as a road dog. And Oklahoma one and three in their last four as a home favorite. On deep throws, Spencer Rattler, 41.6 passing grade. He's got three turnover-worthy passes and only three completions. However, he is second best in FBS on throws that are shorter than 20 yards. So I, good things, I guess. I, I don't know what to make of Rattler. I don't know what to make of Jared Dagey. Um, I do know this matchup here, Oklahoma number one in pass rush grade. Uh, Dagey, bottom three in the country when he's pressured. Uh, gentlemen, I I don't know where to go with this because I don't think Oklahoma has looked very good thus far. Uh, Parker, let, let's get your thoughts on the Sooners and the Mountaineers here. Yes, this one is a game I'm staying away from because I have it as Oklahoma about 13. But as you mentioned, the error bars on Oklahoma are very high. I've, I've been able to excuse their motivation, um, you know, against Tulane earlier in the season. They looked obviously boringly excellent against Western Carolina and in, in winning uh, an FCS game. But then last week against Nebraska, they just couldn't seem to pull away, which you would expect uh, in a game that one had a lot of offseason chatter and uh, and and some uh, bulletin board material. And two, they really had trouble kind of containing Adrian Martinez. Adrian Martinez had his third best QBR um, of his career against the Power Five team against Oklahoma last weekend. So uh, really, Nebraska or Oklahoma said your quarterback is going to have to beat us. And and Adrian Martinez did his did his darndest and almost did. So. Um, uh, I think that Oklahoma is obviously more talented than uh, anyone else remaining on their schedule. I think they're having some issues with confidence uh, between the ears for for Spencer Rattler. And so that kind of explains, you know, he hasn't been bad, but the expectations for him were so high. And, and this year he really hasn't looked that great. So I have this game um, a little bit uh, a little bit closer than the line here. I, I what you point out about Daigie and pressure is really uh, is, is something I've been saying all offseason. The difference there is so huge. The offensive line looked a little bit better against West Virginia, but Oklahoma's pass rush is going to be the best that West Virginia sees. West Virginia couldn't make you pay on offense. I mean, Virginia Tech couldn't make them pay on offense. They had two fourth and goals opportunities to, to put West Virginia away and couldn't do it. So I expect this to be um, uh, a, a game where Oklahoma kind of gets right. I have Oklahoma at 46th in EPA per EPA margin and West Virginia at 87th. Um, and specifically, I think that Oklahoma's past defense hasn't looked as good as it is. And Daigie will be a great opportunity for West or, or Oklahoma to kind of get right on defense. I can uh, I can see where you're going with that. Kyle, uh, this this line, 55 and a half, you don't normally see them that low in an Oklahoma game. Uh, give me your thoughts here. Yeah, I got a lot of thoughts for this game. I'll try to keep it as, as brief as I can. But a lot of stats here that kind of stand out to me. Nebraska, 6.1 yards per play last week. Oklahoma, 5.9. According to our friend Parker's site, um, CFBGraphs.com, Nebraska had a 66.7% echo rate last week, which really stood out to me. Oklahoma had nine possessions in that game last week. So Nebraska kind of shortened the game. All nine of those possessions started their own 35 or worse. Seven of the nine started their 25 or worse. So their field position was very poor in that game. You know, at what point do we start questioning Oklahoma and say, are they as good as we thought? Like, like you guys were saying, their upside is still very high, but they've been very disappointing so far. Uh, the Tulane game, we can kind of say it was a fluke, but against Nebraska last week, very concerning. Spencer Rattler, what's going on? Gary, I kind of remember before the season, you said, I wonder if Spencer Rattler's the best quarterback on his team. And I'm starting to think, you know, Gary might be right here uh, because Spencer Rattler has been disappointing, at least so far. And they certainly have some good quarterbacks behind him. I think he'll play better going forward. But, um, you know, that's a guy that has to prove it here going forward. And here's a good chance for him. I have tried to give Jarrett Daigie a pass, uh, but some of his play makes it hard to do. You know, that interception on third down last week against Virginia Tech was just terrible. Uh, third and long, he throws a screen pass without even really looking at anybody. Uh, throws it right to Virginia Tech. They are very fortunate they got away with that. And I have to say, we talked about regression stats and how I love regression stats. Here's my regression stat alert uh, for this game. West Virginia's defense has allowed opponents into the red zone 11 times this year. Their opponent has only scored on four of those 11 times into the red zone, which is just astronomical. Only two out of 11 have been touchdowns. There is no way anybody can keep that up. If if I've ever seen regression stat, that's it right there. So West Virginia's defense is good. 
they're not that good though. The total has been bet down. The only way I could play this game on the total is the over. Oklahoma's defense is better than what, or, or Oklahoma's offense is better than what they've shown. West Virginia's defense is not as good as they've shown. And, you know, I am worried a bit that Jarrett Deggie and the West Virginia offense can't do too much here, though. As much as Adrian Martinez has had trouble with turnovers in the past, the thing that kind of bothered Oklahoma's defense last week was the fact that Adrian Martinez can run as well as he can, can keep plays alive. Jarrett Deggie is not Adrian Martinez. So, uh, in general, I don't think the matchup is very good for West Virginia. Uh, I tend to think this is a good chance for Oklahoma to try to win by margin, but I'm not laying 17 points with Oklahoma. So uh, I'm going to lean to the over in this game and just think uh, you know, there's quite a few stats that are pretty interesting here. That's it. My line on this was 15, and and it's I'm not touching it. I'm not touching it. So the official plays on this, we don't have one on this one either. It, it just seems too close to the number. This is one where we will sit back and let them prove it, right? Same with Florida and Tennessee. We're going to sit back and watch and enjoy a really good football game. So we will move on to the next game here. And this one, I do have a play on. Indiana heads to Western Kentucky. And Indiana is a nine-point favorite, juiced at minus 115. The total sits at 64. 64, a lot of points. Indiana 10-0 straight up, 8-2 against the spread in their last 10 as a favorite. However, Western Kentucky... 11 and 4 against the spread. Their last 15 is a home dog. Western Kentucky is coming off of a bye. Uh, they are averaging nine plays per game of 20 plus yards. At, at they're explosive. Bailey Zapp doing his thing. Uh, the two that have covered against Indiana, by the way, both road games at Purdue, at Maryland, teams that can throw the football, and that's what Western Kentucky can do. Kyle, let me get your thoughts here on Western Kentucky. I know that you love this team like I do. The Hilltoppers have been explosive. They are a far cry from what they were last season. Give me your thoughts on Western Kentucky and Indiana. So I feel like, Gary, I might be stealing a, a little bit of what you were going to say, too. But, um, you know, I don't. I think we can give a lot of numbers for a game like this. But if you look at situational spot in this game, you, it's just screaming at you that this is a great chance for Western Kentucky. Indiana off that massive national TV game where they had a disappointment. Who do they play next week at Penn State? So now the middle of that is Western Kentucky, and Western Kentucky has a bye week to get ready for this game. You couldn't possibly set the schedule up any better for Western Kentucky for a game like this. So if they don't take advantage, it won't be because they didn't have a scheduling advantage. Uh, this is a great situational spot for them. And, and I've heard some people say, well, Western Kentucky plays at Michigan State next week. That doesn't matter at all. A group of five team like Western Kentucky, they don't look ahead to a game on the road against Michigan State. They have a shot to beat a Big Ten team at home. This is a tremendous spot for them. Uh, you won't get a better chance. And Indiana ranks 125th in offensive explosiveness. They have only 25 plays of 10 yards or more in three games. That's of 10 yards or more. So this offensive line is still a major problem for them. I don't think Western Kentucky's defensive line is great, so I think Indiana will be able to move the football here. But Bailey Zappi and company should be able to move the ball on an Indiana secondary that's only okay as well. And look, we have seen it before. There is plenty of backdoor potential for Western Kentucky if they are behind, uh, like they were in that Army game. I, I think Western Kentucky can score points here throughout the game, but I definitely think they have a chance, even if they're down by you know 14 points and they have one possession left, that's not a terrible thing in a game like this. I like Western Kentucky some in this one. I also lean to the over uh, situationally, like I said, you know, schedule spot couldn't be better for Western Kentucky. I agree with everything that you just said. Uh, I do believe that Indiana can slow down Western Kentucky a little bit, but as explosive as that offense is, I, I trust Tyson Helton to be able to keep this game close. Situationally, it is a perfect spot. Uh, let's move to the official plays here. And I am the one that's going to uh, to roll with it with the Hilltoppers. I'm taking Western Kentucky plus nine as my official play. Uh, the other two are going to pass on it. Can't believe that you don't trust Bailey Zapp enough to put your money on it, but that's okay. I understand, guys. No worries. I will take it for you guys. Uh, Western Kentucky plus nine, the official play. Reminder, again, subscribe to the channel. Make sure that you like the video and jump into the chat. Of course, we're doing a Q&A at the end of the show. We do it at the end of every show. I uh, got several questions that are rolling in now, and we will hit those after these next two games. So the next game on the board, UAB heads to Tulane. 
8 p.m. Eastern time. And this is Tulane minus three currently, juiced at minus 115. At the total is 55. This is Tulane's first game at their home stadium in Yulman Stadium in New Orleans since Hurricane Ida the first week of the season. UAB 3-5 and five against the spread their last eight as a road dog. Tulane 8-1 and one against the numbers since 2019 as a home favorite. Uh, you are not going to find a bunch of stats to support my pick on this game right now uh, because of the scheduling inconsistency, right? Tulane has played Oklahoma and Ole Miss both on the road. Uh, looked good against Oklahoma. <clears throat> did not look so good against Ole Miss. On the other side, uh, UAB went to Georgia and got demolished. However, they came back last week and demolished North Texas. Uh, quarterback Michael Pratt has has played insanely well thus far for Willie Fritz's offense. He looks like he belongs in that position. UAB dominated North Texas last week. Uh, but, you know, four touchdowns from last week, the, the drives were 13 yards, 39 yards, 61 yards, and 53. They had short fields the entire game. I don't know if they're going to get that in this spot. Parker, let me get you to jump in here. Tulane, like I feel really good about Willie Fritz's team here, especially their first game back at home. Absolutely. I, I love what Tulane's doing on offense, and I kind of love what they did with their schedule. Now, of course, you want to schedule as a G5 uh, to make sure that you hit a bowl, but if you're trying to get your team ready to actually compete in the AAC, it's, it's a little bit smart to say we're going to, one, get a paycheck, and two, we're going to play two teams that are going to challenge us in ways that we are not going to be challenged. So I love that. Um, I really like Michael Pratt in the offense. Tulane, 52nd overall in EPA per play. They are 28th in EPA per pass, 0.248 against some, some pretty good teams there. And so um, that coupled with UAB's poor schedule and UAB's poor uh, EPA per pass, uh, 0.0302 allowed, which is 107th in the nation. I expect Pratt to cook a little bit. A stat to watch for this game, Gary, Tulane last year had some serious, serious drop issues, and it looks like they haven't been able to fix that. 19.6% of Michael Pratt's targeted passes have been dropped this season. Uh, so that's one in five. That That is how you hamstring an offense. And against a team like UAB that's been historically stingy on defense and is, you know, 47th right now in EPA per play, if you get behind the sticks, that that's going to be um, that's going to be pretty rough. Tulane, 33% on third and fourth down success on offense. That's 73rd overall, whereas UAB is 29th in uh, preventing third and fourth down success, 36.8. Uh, on the offensive side, I'm not inspired by UAB uh, at all. I think they've got some quarterback issues, and uh, I don't really see playmakers uh, that 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 make me worried about Tulane's defense. Uh, Tulane has a big confidence advantage here too, just because they have played two of the best teams in college football and and competed with one of them. So um, I I like the Tulane play here, but that is a little bit of projection from you know schedule asymmetry because uh, the stats have this a little bit closer. I've I've got this in the range of Tulane plus six or uh, minus six rather, and so um, I, I I like a pick for Tulane here. Uh, but I'm, I'm I'm staying away from it just because uh, the scheduling asymmetry has been so large. Kyle, my line on this was Tulane minus nine. Uh, how do you feel about this game? Yeah, this is a tough game to handicap, in my opinion. Um, somebody really likes UAB in this game. 56% of the bets are on Tulane, 86% of the money on UAB. Now, I don't necessarily think that those percentages are the be-all, end-all uh, by any means, but they're just kind of interesting to keep an eye on. I think that it's probably um, the coaching matchup that's the most interesting to me about this one because Bill Clark is not a guy I like to bet against. You know, 35, 25, and 1 ATS, 58.3% all time. What about Fritz? 52, 35, and 2, 59.8% ATS. So basically, if we just blindly tail these two guys, we're likely to make money. Uh, we'll, we'll keep that in mind in the future because I think that these two guys are so good that that's liable to keep going. Um, strength of schedule so far this year. According to Sagarin, strength of schedule, UAB 100th, Tulane 3rd. So this, this makes us a really interesting handicap. And Gary, I do think that, you know, people are a bit down on Tulane based on what they just saw last week. They saw them get absolutely thumped, but Matt Corral and company are going to thump a lot of guys this year. Uh, Tulane's defensive stats look really bad, uh, very skewed at this point, though. And UAB... I assume they want to run the football here. They have quarterback question marks. 70% of their plays have been run so far this year. Pratt has been really good for Tulane. So when we get down to three, such a key number, I have to lean toward Tulane as well, because at this point, I feel like we might be uh, disrespecting Tulane a little bit 
uh, based on last week's game alone. I tend to agree. The thing that does scare me a little bit, uh, Hopkins, the kid that came in at quarterback last week, six out of seven passing, 200 yards for UAB with three touchdowns on, on only six completions. I mean, just absurd numbers. But that is against North Texas's defense as opposed to Tulane's defense. So we will see how that goes. The official picks on this game, and I'm the one that's going to ride it. Tulane at home at night, first game back in Yulman Stadium. Give me Tulane minus three. I think they will be able to handle this one. I expect them to win by at least a touchdown, possibly more. Uh, we, we will see what happens here. Uh, Mark Holmes said UAB quarterback out. Now, we looked for that earlier and couldn't find anything that said that. But it, if it is Hopkins, he was impressive last week. So either way, Tulane minus three. They're going to get this thing done for me. I can feel it. We got one more game before we jump into the chat. Let's dive into it. Arizona heads to Oregon. 10.30 p.m. Eastern time kick, Oregon minus 28 and a half. The total sits at 59. At Oregon 2-1 and one against the spread against Arizona in the last three seasons. Well, I take that back. They didn't play last year. 2017 through 2019, Arizona has now lost 10 straight games. They are 3-7 and seven against the spread in that span. They are 1-6 against the number in their last seven. The Arizona program has momentum, but they are bad at basically every spot on the field right now. Uh, Cristobal, I feel like, should be able to name his score here. Parker, I, I feel like you see an advantage here for this one. What do you think about the Ducks and the Wildcats? I have not been impressed, uh, uh, to say in the least, with Arizona to start the season and at all last year. Again, a small sample size still. Just uh, maybe there's a vision for what Jed Fish wants to do and what Arizona is going to implement, but they are far off from that. They um, haven't broken 20 in three games this season. I do not like their ability to score at all. Um, and I really, really like Oregon's kind of, uh, I mean, Joe Moorhead is just able to run past, do whatever he wants here. Um, the key number for me, Oregon has been relatively lacking in the passing game. They are 0.03 EPA per pass, which is 72nd relative to 0.18, which is 24th uh, for, for their rushing game. Arizona is 122nd against the pass, 81st against the rush on defense. I, I do think there's an issue of Will Arizona uh, or will Oregon pull the starters? The problem there is that Oregon's backup quarterback, Ty Thompson, might be uh, one of the better starters to come through Oregon. Um, and so I think he's got a future uh, at, the, at the helm there. And so the backups at Oregon are still going to be demonstrably better than uh, than Arizona. The only thing that I would look at is, uh, again, schedule asymmetry matters here, but Oregon has been a little bit uh, prone to giving up passing success, even if they're not giving up big plays. So their EPA per pass uh, on defense is uh, 92nd and their passing success rate is 104th. Again, look at their schedule that, you know, we can balance that out. Uh, Arizona is at least slightly better against the pass than the rush. They are um, 59th in passing success rates. And they, uh, you know, so, so I don't know that they're going to be able to move the ball against Oregon's front. Uh, and so I think this game will be one that Oregon gets up big and I see very little chance of a backdoor cover just given how much more talented Oregon's backups are than, than Arizona, frankly. I, I can side with you. I see exactly where you're coming from with it. Arizona has not looked very good whatsoever this season. So let's move to the official play here. And Parker is going to ride Oregon minus 28 and a half. Again, reminder, toss your comments in the comment section. Toss your picks in there. We want to know which way you lean on these games. So help us out. Help us out. Jump into the chat. Jump into the comments. Gentlemen, let's move into the official Q&A of the show. We have a game that was brought up yesterday, and our, our staff and crew were lucky enough to toss up a, a graphic for us. Um, Clemson minus 10 on the road at NC State. Total of 47.5. Clemson is seven and three against the spread in their last 10 on the road, North Carolina state two and four against the number in their last six against Clemson. I think everybody kind of remembers 2015, 2016 when NC state was able to keep those games close. NC state probably should have won the game in 2015, but that is six years ago. That's a long time ago. We don't have Peyton Wilson on the defense anymore for Clemson. I mean, sorry for uh, NC state. Clemson's offense has been terrible. Absolutely terrible. It, Guys, give me give me some thoughts here. Parker, we'll start off with you. Tell me about Clemson and NC State. 
I have Clemson's offense at 119th in the country, negative 0.276 EPA per play. Granted, that's skewed by a couple of just boneheaded um, turnovers. But yeah, they have not looked crisp on offense. And I, I believe earlier in the season, uh, dur during our previews, I talked about there just not being anything about Clemson that overwhelmed me, that you know warmed my heart this year. And, and I think that's kind of bearing out. Now, the Georgia Tech game last week, there's a rain delay and, you know, like they should have been up. They should have won that game comfortably. But I, I'm more worried about that game in the sense of um, the national conversation and less about the ACC conversation. I think that, again, Clemson is going to be more talented than everyone that is on their schedule. And it doesn't look like they're really going to get challenged until they get to the ACC championship and get maybe one of those teams from the other division who's kind of gotten right over the season. So looking at the pass, 120th EPA per pass, 111th EPA per rush. Couple that with NC State, who's been 47th against the pass and and fourth uh, against the rush on defense. And I do like the you know I I like NC State's ability to kind of keep this close. But then if you look at NC State's passing offense, negative 0.123. There's not a receiver there that kind of changes the game for me. And Clemson's. Uh, passing defense has been 23rd in the nation despite all their struggles. So I think that this game gets absolutely clamped down defensively. And um, uh, I, I do think that Clemson's offense ha has some soul searching to do. And uh, I, I'm staying away from this one because I have my numbers have NC State and I just don't trust that given some of these complementarities in the matchup. And so uh, that, that, that's why I don't have a play, even though I do think NC State is capable of keeping this close. I, I tend to agree with you, Kyle. Uh, the total forty-seven and a half. I don't know that we should expect a whole lot of points, especially uh, with the game, you know, in Raleigh. Give me, give me your thoughts here. Yeah, I had the total at forty-six, and I definitely lean under in this game. As far as the side, this is really, really hard for me because I can't lay ten points with Clemson. There's no way, based on the way their offense has looked. Look, they've they've scored two touchdowns in eight quarters against FBS opponents. And one of them was Georgia Tech. Obviously, Georgia's defense is elite, but Georgia Tech, that was a concerning game. Clemson's 122nd in offensive explosiveness so far this year. Um, NC State was blown out the last two times they, they've met. Uh, a few years ago, they had some close games against Clemson, but this is their shot, and they know it. You would think that this game's been circled for a long time for NC State. You mentioned Peyton Wilson out, Cyrus Fagan out as well. You could argue those were the two best defensive players for NC State, so... That certainly concerns me. Devin Leary has not played up to my expectations for him for NC State. I think this is a well-coached team. I lean NC State here, guys, but the problem is before the season, the game of the year line was NC State plus 19 and a half, and now it's plus 10. Nine and a half points worse. You know, if it was if it was 17 or something like this, I would have bet this game. But 10, it's not very many points. Clemson's clearly uh, far more talented than is NC State. I think NC State has a chance in a game like this, but it's just not a big enough number for me to play. That's, I feel the exact same way. So no play for many of us on this one. And that is going to move us into the Q&A. And we have got a ton of questions here. So let's uh, let's kind of rapid fire this a little bit. Uh, D Jackson 5656 wants to know our thoughts on North Carolina minus 12 and a half against Georgia Tech. Uh, this one being played in the uh, the dome in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium as opposed to Georgia Tech's home field. I think that might actually hurt Georgia Tech a little bit in this spot, especially with it being in a dome. I feel good about North Carolina being able to cover that. My line was actually North Carolina minus 16. Uh, do either of you have have any thoughts on that one? I think that uh, North Carolina's passing offense is underrated in the stats, given that they struggled uh, against Virginia Tech early on. And I think that Georgia Tech's passing defense is overrated in the numbers. I expect Sam Howell to have a day. Um, again, pacing issues are really strange for me there because North Carolina has been running the ball a little bit more um, on early downs and Georgia Tech has not been. Um, and so I, I think that I actually expect North Carolina to change and, and, and be a little faster than they have been the first couple of games as they get more comfortable. But um, the kind of pacing asymmetry there is a little bit uh, confusing in terms of trying to pick a side. Um, but I, I, I think that North Carolina should win comfortably. Uh, Kyle, we got a direct question for you from P. Matt A. Poisette. I hope I said that correctly. Uh, Kyle, do you like the under 54 for Florida Atlantic and Air Force? Yeah, I'll tell you, my number on that game was 53 and a half. So I'm obviously right about at the line. I really have no strong lean on that game. Air Force games are tricky as far as totals because they're actually a little bit better on offense than some people think. Their defense is probably not as good as it looks. 
because of who they played against. And Utah State uh, ran up a pretty big total on them last week. So uh, no strong lean for me on that game. Uh, we have got a question from Big Trouble Jack. Wants to hear our thoughts on Illinois versus Purdue. Purdue, an 11-point favorite at home. Uh, it felt like it might be too much there, but I also... Got a thought on that one? Um, I I do, actually. Um, I think that Purdue showed us that they can compete with a solid defense. Like, Notre Dame's got some issues, but it's not like Notre Dame is bad. And I think Notre Dame's defense is absolutely better than what we see from Illinois. And so I liked that they're upside. I, I think that the reason I didn't play this game is I believe David Bell is out for Purdue, the wide receiver. Um, and so that for me is, is you know, when when he's kind of the, the workhorse of that passing offense, you know, 44th in the nation and they've played Notre Dame already, uh, that that is why I don't have a play here. But I, I really like Purdue's passing offense. I think they've demonstrated that they can be uh, pretty, pretty good there. And, and, and they've stifled defenses or stifled opposing offenses pretty well, fifth in defensive success rate overall, 21st in, in defense. So uh, I. I, I would lean towards Purdue here, but the injury makes me just a little bit nervous because I don't know what Purdue is going to be able to do with, you know, maybe not a great quarterback and then not having their great wide receiver. Uh, we did have a question from Robert S. Uh, gave us three games that he wants to know about. Uh, so we'll, we'll kind of rapid fire through these. Kyle, I'll ask you first, uh, Kansas State or Oklahoma State? I believe Oklahoma State is a six-point favorite. If I'm, I can't find it right now. I believe it's six. But either way, it's less than a touchdown. Uh, how would you feel about that game? Gosh, this is a tough one on the side. Um, you know, I went against Kansas State last week, and that was my my bad pick here on the show last week. Um, you know, it's hard to fade Chris Kleiman. The guy's just been a covering machine. Um, I tried to do it last week. It didn't work. Oklahoma State, uh, real problems passing the football. I mean, I believe it was 80-some percent of their plays last week against Boise were running plays. Yeah. Uh, they do not trust Spencer Sanders. Uh, this is a, a I don't blame him. I, you know, I don't think uh, he is very trustworthy at this point. I think I would lean Kansas State in the points and I lean the under in that game as well. Uh, it's the line currently five and a half in favor of Oklahoma State and it's 46 and a half for the total on that. Uh, two other ones, uh, Memphis and UTSA. Uh, I, I will tell you, UTSA, a three point dog on the road. Memphis just had a massive game against Mississippi State. I would tend to lean the Roadrunners. Uh, Parker, I know you are a big fan of the Roadrunners there. Uh, you got any thoughts Love on it, that one? Love it, man. <laughs> Love it. Uh, yeah, I, I like Sincere uh, McCormick so much. And, and you know, uh, UTA's offense has looked really, really good. They are 17th in EPA per APA margin. Memphis has struggled a little bit against the pass. So it'll be interesting to see if Frank Harris can get anything going. And against the rush on defense, Memphis is 105th. Sincere McCormick is no joke. I have this just exactly at a toss-up. Um, very, very close. And so that kind of comes to normative commitments about home field in a way. But this is an opportunity for UTSA to get a, a, a solid win here. Um, and so I think it'll be pretty close. I, I, I lean UTSA. Nothing about them uh, kind of jumps out as, oh, they're 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 really bad. Um, they, they do struggle with field position on starting drives. But Memphis also struggles with field position on starting drives. So I expect this to be very close. Given that we have that key number of three, um, I'm, I'm staying away. But I would lean towards UTSA here. Uh, Seth Hennigan, the Memphis quarterback, number 23 in the country as far as a uh, quarterback rating. So at uh, freshman quarterback, looks to be playing pretty well thus far. Uh, finally, last one here, USC and Oregon State. And I do not have a line on that one, but I know that Jackson Dart appears that he is going to be out on that. I, I don't know what to make of this line at all. Uh, Kyle, do you have a thought on this one? Uh, this is a tough game. I, I would lean under in this game just at, a, at such a high total. Uh, USC, I don't like laying points with USC. Uh, we know they have a different coaching staff now, or at least uh, a different head coach. But laying points with them in the past, uh, or laying a big amount of points, has not been a good way to go. I'm going to lean toward Oregon State, but this is definitely not a game I'll bet. Uh, the line on that one, by the way, USC, an 11-point favorite, total of 62, and that's a 10.30 p.m. Eastern time kick on that. So that is going to jump us out of here, of course. Let's go ahead and knock out the picks recap. Go on and give you an official list of exactly what we have taken today. And we will start off with Parker. And he is taking Kansas plus 16 on the road at Duke. Kentucky minus 5 on the road at South Carolina. And Oregon minus 28 and a half against Arizona. I... 
am siding with Parker. Kentucky minus five for me. I'm taking Western Kentucky plus nine at home against Indiana. And I'm taking Tulane minus three uh, in their first game back home against UAB. Kyle, we got two totals on the board today. Arkansas State and Tulsa going over 63. And he likes UCLA and Stanford over 58 and a half. Whew, what a fantastic show today. What a fantastic show yesterday. If you didn't already watch, go back and check out yesterday's. We went over the early slate of games. Of course, today was the late slate. Uh, we appreciate everybody that jumped into the chat for sure. You guys continue to do that each week. We certainly appreciate it. And we will try to answer as many as possible. Continue jumping into the comments afterwards. All three of us jump into those YouTube comments and answer questions throughout the weekend. So you got anything you want to do there? Knock it out, and we will try our best to answer it. Or, of course, you can always reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, remind everybody, make sure you are subscribed to the channel. Make sure and hit that notification bell so that you know when we go live. Wednesdays, 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Thursdays, 12 p.m. Eastern Time. And make sure and comment. Like I said, comment as much as you want to, as much as you would like, and make sure and like the video. I saw a lot more people watching the show than we're liking the video. So make sure that you hit that like button for us. Share the show out. Tell your friends about it. All that. Finally, make sure and sign up at BetUS, where the game begins. All you got to do, use the promo code NCAAF2021. You're going to get 125% sign-up bonus up to $2,500. And it is sportsbook exclusive. It is unbelievable. And if you haven't taken advantage of it yet, what are you waiting on? There's a link in the description. Go ahead and knock that thing out. Fellas, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week. We will be back again next week. But again, jump in with all of your comments. We will answer as many as we can for BetUS, where the game begins. We will see you all again next week.